flying in on wings of gossamer from parts unknown with parts unknowing hanging out of his trowels a leg it's dr daniel quintana what's your middle name santiago santiago uh, I, I've, I've ruined it i haven't done the accent now and uh some other idiot dr james whatever my name is Everything Hurts Podcast Episode 8. We just had an argument about whether it was Episode 8. It is Episode 8. And we are talking about... We are going to be talking about the PhD to postdoc transition. Why can't you do it with the same amount of energy that I did? (laughs) I I couldn't actually figure out where you were going to go with that. Uh, I I was more surprised you were able to pronounce my my, my surname properly in the, uh, the, the Spanish way. Oh, it's not that hard. Yeah, um, also, uh, it's not you. You're not the only contemporaneous use of the word Quintana. What are you? Are you referring to the uh, to the cyclist? Yeah, there's look, there's uh, there's there's a few of them around. You I'm come from a uh, you you come you come from a, a, a broad church of Quintanas, surely. Yeah, well, whenever I meet someone who can actually pronounce my name, it's either they've um, they can speak Spanish. Or they're familiar with the, the cyclist, who apparently, I'm, according, my dad thinks we're related somehow. But you know, I think he'll he'll claim to be related to any successful uh, sports I'm, star. I'm thinking of a joke about the interrelationship between your people and not saying it because you have taught me to behave on the radio. <laughs> yeah, you have to. It's all it's all it's all public record. I know. That's it. Ah, oh, can I can I be nice to you in my own way? People don't understand <laughs> the Australian sense of humour. No, they don't. Ah, uh, well, I guess that's kind of our problem, though, isn't it? Because we have to live in the pesky rest of the world. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're talking the uh, PhD to postdoc transition. Um, one of the things which we are actually uh, at least a little bit qualified to talk about. Um, mm. So, yeah, so our, our, our long history in the life and biological sciences, cough, <laughs> early 30s, cough. Yeah, we, we should probably uh, stick to um, phrasing things in terms of opinions rather than saying, uh, look at our sage advice. Wouldn't yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. This is, I've, I've written something about this recently. Um, I didn't tell you that before, but no. uh, I've, I've written something about this. It was just on my mind. Um, I'll push that out in the next couple of days when we do this. Um, probably draw from it a little. There's an awful lot to say about this. Um, and if I could introduce it as a topic from that perspective, I'm, I'd have to say that no one gave me a goddamn bit of advice that was beyond cursory. The vast majority of how this particular period of your life needs to be handled was something that I had to find out for myself. Do you know anyone that actually got any advice or any sort of formal stuff from their institution or anything? It is more common in the U.S., I think, because the uh, trends. Uh, it depends as well. I mean that. I mean, I'm saying that from a perspective of working in Boston, where uh, formal research in industry can be quite incestuous. Um, in a, in a, how, how can I? I'm not going to say incestuous in a good way. Um, <laughs> the the fact that they do, they inform each other. Uh, they inform each other more broadly than they do elsewhere. Certainly, a lot more than they ever did in Australia. Oh, where sure. it's a, yeah. Um, so here I think it's more common that you accept the fact you might have an alternative career pathway and making sure people know the fact that that's possible is 
something that's brought to bear. Because we never got that at Sydney. No, and look, I've I've continually bring up things that didn't happen in Sydney in the context of the fact that I think it's a pretty good university and I'm happy I went there. The vast majority of... Uh, I've spent a lot of time looking at other people's academic environments going, oh, I got opportunities that you didn't have. Yeah. But I also come across an awful lot of stuff where I think no one's thought of that. And it seems like a waste when you think about the fact that you do an undergraduate degree and then potentially a either an honors year or a separate master's is another graduate degree as coursework or separate research, and then other stuff, and then a PhD, which takes somewhere between three and seven years, depending on your institution, country, etc. And when you get to the end of that, no one's told you what the options are. Yeah, and it's mental, like, because I hear some people, they're like, oh, I'm about to submit my PhD, what do I do? And I'm thinking, wow, that's maybe like a year or two too late when you should actually be thinking about that kind of stuff. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, that's that's sad. That's a, that's a failure. I've got to go as far as calling that a failure of supervision. Yeah. If you get so wrapped up in it, no one reads. I've had so many senior academics say this to me. Lots of senior scientists everywhere. No one reads your dissertation. It's a record of achievement. It's a thing that you have to do. It's a thing that you get out of the way. It needs to be read and understood one single time, and then you get your union card, you get to change your name on your your, your form when you fly, and it's all very hilarious. Um, But the work that you do and the people that you meet and the stuff that you're going to do next, the process that you're in, the skills that you acquire are infinitely more important than I have produced this document. Try getting, try doing any functional life task with your PhD. Try, try getting someone who's going to employ you to read it. <laughs> it's like um, not even, not even your mum's going to, not even your mum's going to read it. But she's going to love a copy. But she's going to show her friends. You're not going to go. Ah, oh, you, you do realize this stuff you said on page forty six. Are you seeing this? Are you seeing this? Yeah, the force diagrams are all wrong. Look, let me get me a napkin and a pen. I'll show you what I mean. <laughs> Never going to happen. Yeah, no, I think it's um, you know, you brought up the interesting topic of um, actually having the option of these alternative careers, and I know a lot of institutions that I've heard of at least actually explicitly uh, train people in um, how to actually, you know, get out into the business world and translate their PhD into something which industry can latch onto, which is very well suited to what you, you know, what you're going on in Boston. But in other places, oh, there is, yeah. there is um, you know, my kind of first foray into working with industry was more actually to get grants, not because I'm thinking I might switch to industry one day, um, but I've learned a ton. But that's more through a bit of trial and error from actually doing those grants and doing those projects. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And look, it's not, it's not just a matter of... Uh... It's not just a matter of you need to be prepared as in you need to learn different stuff. You have a... I'm continually surprised. I still suffer from this. I have talked to... Um, actually, I, well, we, can, we can give her a shout out. There's a, a, a career advisor uh, lady who's in town who has given me exceptional advice at every turn. And her name is Lauren Solano. Uh, she runs a company called Propel Careers that take... Uh, cross-eyed academic people like me who have no idea 
not not what they're worth as much as what they've done. We had conversations where where, where she said, "So uh, have you had any experience uh, in this particular realm?" I was like, "Oh, um, oh yeah, um, I did write a bunch of press releases and talk to some media people and do some stuff." I go, oh, "Well, why isn't that on the the actual document?" I go, oh God, to apply for a, a job with media's, I hadn't even thought of it. You are not taught to represent yourself in a certain light. Not even to be able to aggregate some of the things that you think are actually skills and then be able to present it in the context of a job. Yeah. There's a whole a whole sort of sub level of knowledge about how you need to organize all the stuff you've done in order to present it to other people. So it's not just a matter of you don't have the skills to work in a corporate environment, you don't have the skills to present the skills you already have. Yeah, absolutely. And, and a lot of people will look at, look at the CV going, oh, PhD, overqualified. Um, less, that really depends. That depends on the job very much. I mean, yeah, if you're going for I a re- relatively technical job, they accept the fact that, I mean, it, when it becomes more common for people to move out of, uh, move out of careers into other uh, industry, quasi-industry sorts of applications, less common. Yeah. Um, if you're going to work in, uh, policy or tech or biotech or something like that. perfectly normal to have yeah. a, a PhD move into a job. Um, some of those jobs, uh, like, again, depending on the industry, are very challenging. You can't just walk in and go, hey, <laughs> you can call me Dr. Quintana and I'll be sitting there next to the window. Thanks very much. Give me all that corporate money I've heard about. <laughs> Not going to happen, sunshine. Um, let's move into uh, Let's move into some direct pieces of advice say let's 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 take someone now um let's take away all the expectations for starting doing a phd which are all separate completely um and think about someone who's let's say a year in 18 months in yeah let's give them some advice from you and your shifty foreign eyes go (laughs) did you apologize to harold I did. I did apologize to him. Yeah. Spelling his name with an O. <laughs> you foreign ruiner. I know, I know. You I... don't deserve the amount of herring you sit on, sir. <laughs> Hi again to Harold. Um, okay, first year, I mean, beyond the actual thing of just starting to publish as much as possible, um, yep. I think it's important to actually start or begin to actually get some independence. And that independence could be from um, from meeting other people at conferences, um, even meeting other people online, and just beginning those conversations because you never know where they're going to lead. They could lead to new publications, either with or without your supervisor, or you can actually start these relationships for uh, potential potential postdocs. And you might think, oh, you know, two or three years is so far away, but uh, as you know, a lot of these uh, academic relationships are glacial they take forever to develop so if you're actually starting to do these things from year one from year two it's going to hold you in really good stead uh, i know personally for me i always made an effort whenever i went on holidays um to have a look up okay do i actually know anyone who lives in this city who lives in this country um let's meet up and actually start beginning those collaborations um mm. you know I'll, before i actually moved to um to work in norway uh, i visited here quite a lot thanks to my wife and uh, I made that effort to actually start. And um, two of the people that um, I met up with before I actually came, um, I still collaborate with now. So it's worked out fantastically. Good. I think that was excellent. 
Yeah. Good job. That's uh, yeah. That presupposed a bunch of stuff I had to say, which is excellent. Um, we're making a concerted effort to let Dan talk more because I have a tendency to um talk a lot. Yeah. See if you even said that. That was perfect. Um. Okay. I'm going to. I'd I'd like to endorse that to an obnoxious degree. Uh, the idea that you need to start acting as an independent researcher as soon as humanly possible. And that means that you need to meet people and get contacts. And I always thought, I think, at the start of my doctorate that that was something of a cynical thing because I saw people networking in the sense of, oh, let's be friends, we can help each other. It was a desperately cynical sort of exercise, and I despised them and hoped that they got hit by cars on the way back to their hotels. Um, and then I became a lot more interested in what I wanted to do in the actual topic areas. I had positions to defend. I had uh, th things that I was legitimately interested in. And on that basis, meeting people and talking to them is not an exercise in Maybe this is someone who in the future can do favors for me, etc., etc. It became more a method of collectively organizing your ideas to find out what other people are doing on a human level, to find out what they're like that informs their actual research process. And when you get to that point, um, the artificiality of the networking thing, people go, oh, you should be networking, what you should be going and handing out business cards and and i meeting people i i remember to call i won't i won't dob him in because i'm gonna make him sound like an idiot now but uh a, a guy uh is at a conference and he had a little list of all the people that he wanted to meet and he was showing me the list and he's working his way down he's like look i've met I, I think there's six people and they're really important i met four of them i thought it's like, it's like pokemon yeah, that's absolutely fantastic. And when you've collected all your cigarette cards, you can write to the manufacturer and four to six weeks they'll send you a wonderful commemorative plaque and you can stick that on the wall of your den and you can sit in your den and you don't have a fucking job. He said, getting slightly too strident. I've drank way too much of this. Um, this is almost empty by now. You can see how quickly it hits me. Um, the whole point being... Are you, do, do you are you actually invested in that you don't need to meet everyone in the entire world for cynical purposes? What you do need to be is a member of a community that is trying to address a series of questions. Totally agree. I, I mean, because um, everyone's trying to solve particular problems, and I think it's easy to think as a PhD student, you know, what what can I bring to the table? But the fact that you're doing your PhD means you are slowly becoming an expert in an area. Well, that's yeah. that's that's the intention at least. And uh, you know, it never, and it never feels like that when you're in your when you're in your twenties and you're continually dealing with people who are in their fifty through seventy five, who've been doing something for an extremely long time. There is an inculcated sense of the fact that you are perpetually junior to something, yeah. except for the fact that they probably never spent eighteen months doing one specific thing to the same extent that you are. Mm. And at some point in time, you know a great deal about it. Yeah. This is what you know. You know, you know. I spend a lot of time on ResearchGate trying to be useful, right? Yeah. How, how does that work out for you? It doesn't work out for me no, at all. Okay, it's time wrong, that but, it's yeah. time that I spend because there's a whole there's a lot of people who are starting to do basic human uh, biophys psychophys stuff for the first time, um, and they're approaching 
uh, hardware they're unfamiliar with, uh, software packages that may be confusing. They have coding problems, but uh, a lot of them aren't engineers. Uh, they have funding problems because they come from universities that aren't necessarily well-funded. And they have questions. Um, and the idea that there's a forum where people can get that close to well, that many experts are mm. actually there. I mean, the, the the paper sort of backup system is pretty good. The back end of ResearchGate can be can be pretty scuzzy. It's told me that I have five unread messages in my inbox for two years. It frequently sends me things that are actually broken, but the guts of it is sound. Yeah, the guts I'm of it is sound I'm enough. quite impressed with ResearchGate, to be honest. Yeah, I I like it, and you can probably tell by the amount of time that I spend on it. If people ask particularly silly questions, I'll write them messages sometimes and say, "Look, here's quietly here's the answer to your question," and um. You know, you don't need to leave it there anymore. No, seriously, that's why good. would you that's, do that? It's so yeah, much yeah, yeah, making nice, yeah. like, oh, okay, well, I think people could take that the wrong way, etc. Here's, here's the thing, how to do it. Um, I can't honestly say it's for any particular reason except for the fact that I remember what it's like doing lab work from scratch myself. And the thing is, you have these people who are pulling their hair out, trying to find a solution. You yep. spend a minute... And you know, yeah, it's just yeah, and that's and that's being the a stuff good part of the community, exactly. And it's the stuff that's never written down. It's, oh, proto yeah. it's protocol stuff. It's the kind of stuff that uh, is a kind of living experience that goes within a laboratory. And our stuff isn't even complicated. Think about how many dozens of times more complicated doing wet lab protocols and microscopy and staining and everything else in the biological thing about how much harder that is yeah no, no one no one ever is really in the position where they attempt to do that from scratch with a box full of equipment no one ever goes oh here's a confocal microscope knock it up we've got some space <laughs> in the closet next to the toilet it's never it's never quite that bad because there's a level of complexity that people respect yeah ah uh, anyway that's look that's a, a, a expanding on your excellent piece of advice there um I've got my one central piece of advice. Um, do you know what it is? Yeah, go hit it. I think you. I think you probably can guess what it is. Nah. Go. Okay. A yes. You need to publish a lot, yeah. but there's something that I think is actually more important. Sp Spending your time as your PhD actually reading and learning your topic area. Skills. Writing, coding, software. In that order. Writing, coding, software. Yeah? Yeah. Write all the time. Write to an obnoxious degree. Write about the stuff that you're doing. Write about some other... What you're doing, essentially, the thing that you're producing, the output at the end of the day is written research. So you're talking blogs, you know, all that kind of stuff? Do your, your own yeah, your own stuff, make your own notes on things, correspond with people at length. Do you do that? Do you write chains like 30, 40, 50 emails to people who are, are interested in topic areas that are interesting for you? Nothing that far. A few, yeah, a few, look, a few back and forth, but yeah, look, 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 look I, I know, and look, a lot of people aren't interested in writing about it. But the the thing is, I mean, at the end of the day, I think a, a, the 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 fact that funding is difficult to get and priorities are the way they are right now makes it really difficult for people to have particularly good 
ideas because it's part of a reflective process. It takes a while. There's nothing worse than seeing a deadline and going, oh, I can have an amazing idea in three weeks. No, you can't. <laughs> you have to be very lucky. It's like saying, I'll get a consortium of seven people together in three weeks. They won't all have answered their email. No, nah, not going to happen. It's a, it's a thing. It's a, it's a thing that has constituent parts where, where things have to come together. It's stochastic and difficult and weird. All, this, all these interconnected things have to happen. Okay. Yeah? So, so, so I think then there are people who recognize that, and I'm very happy to have long conversations with them. And a lot of them are not collaborators. A lot of them are just people out in the ether that I started talking to. And a lot of them are hugely surprised. Like, I mean, people see my, um, my, my personal website has some really, uh, strident language on it about contacting me. Yeah. And that's totally deliberate. I shouldn't actually be telling people this. Secrets I'm going to do, do it anyway. Yeah, um, sure. <laughs> <laughs> part of that is so people, if you've got people who've got really considered questions aren't, off, aren't put off by that. Mm. I really need to know this question about something that this James idiot studies. Oh, he sounds really difficult. Oh, I'm going to write to him anyway. Dear James, uh, you sound like a sociopath, but I have to know the answer to this question and you might be interested. They're really surprised when I write back 20 minutes later going, Top's question. Um, let's have a chat. Yeah. Yeah. Which I do most of the time, unless it's a really terrible question or they want something. Um, in which case the replies can be slightly more perfunctory. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So writing skills, which if people are interested, they should go back to our last episode, which we spoke on length about. Um, right, 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 right. Yep. Coding. Coding. Yes. Well, um, yeah, this is only something I've actually jumped into recently, more with learning how to code within R. Yeah. Um, and I have found it quite difficult. But, yes. Um, but, of course. Yeah, yeah. It's been really difficult. Um, but it's been uh, it's been rewarding, um, especially because it's so... I mean, I've spoken about this before, but it's so easy to reproduce my results. Someone, yes. how, how did you make that graph? Here's the script. Bam. Yeah. So good. That's how. Yeah. Uh, let's let's paraphrase a famous quote. Uh, in the land of Excel, the man with crap R is king. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Mm. There's an awful lot of people with really complicated software, really complicated work, aggregating tables in Excel or some other spreadsheet-based program. Adding stuff up, doing t-tests on envelopes still. Yeah. Yeah, now your rubbish code is so many levels of magnitude better than no code at all. Yeah, for sure. The the I mean the the learning curve can be shallow, but even the area under your shallow learning curve that you aggregate over time is extremely useful right from the beginning. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's terrible. It doesn't matter if it's slow. I mean, talking to uh, people who do EEG research saying, oh, we've got this thing. We've got the, we run this iterative code and it takes ages and ages and ages and ages and ages and we run it overnight. And I thought, oh, God. And I looked at what they're doing and thought, I could probably improve that. And then I thought, you know what? It works, doesn't it? These people aren't engineers mm. they are they you have to solve a problem once you accept the fact that the solution is bodged correct and bodged is a different i mean when you're when you're paid to make up an engineer is paid to make a process a lot of the time 
but and you do science with exactly the same sort of code stuff you're paid to provide an answer yeah and you get an answer with rubbish code and the answer is still correct it's fine big shrug so i mean that that attitude horrifies people who are code queens yeah and yeah. people who enter this like, <laughs> listen to this amateur what would he know about anything yeah you know i've Doesn't got whole i've got whole contract jobs at sort of like masters five seven rates, writing bad code for people because my bad code's better than their no code, and I understand the area. Thousands and thousands of dollars. Yeah. Yeah. On the on the basis of my skill, with I freely admit in the interview is crap. But you get the job done. That's the most important thing. Look, yeah. I, I think learning skills is so important. Mainly because it's transferable um, between actual research areas. You could become an expert in a research area. Good point. It could go belly up. You know, I, I thought the uh, oxytocin ship would sink. You know, every year I'm like, yeah, this is the year that it, that people just finally go nut. You know, let's just let's just go past this. So it's important to actually have skill sets which are transferable between subdomains of research, coding, doing all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, doing a very specific statistical tests as well. If you're an expert mm. on a on a I don't know some sort of modeling uh, linear mix modeling, um, which I'm having a lot of people actually ask me about how to do because um, a lot more people are doing it. Um, Meta analysis, for example, past episode we spoke about that. Um, but there are so many b- particular skill sets that you can actually do um, and between yep. um, subdisciplines or even between disciplines that that, that work. And if you can pick those up incredibly valuable use your PhD to actually learn how to do those things yeah I took a whole course on how to do uh, qualitative analysis using in vivo yeah you ever done that no I can imagine it'd be handy Uh, well it has proved utterly useless so far that I'm completely (laughs) when when did you do that recently or a while back oh no 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 it's Sydney Uh, after you'd left okay that was a good while back now um, you know, you know what it is, right? It's yeah, a, yeah, it's yeah. A, yeah, right. It's a, it's an annotation pro. I think it's more or less the only one in the market that has any large brand recognition whatsoever. Yeah. It is for annotating text to do content-based analysis over time. It is for qualitative rather than quantitative research. Now, I have absolutely no cause whatsoever to use it, but. When it's offered as an available skill with a piece of software, a piece of software is transferable. Yeah, exactly. And, it, you know, think of uh, how many programs for displaying experimental stimuli have you used? Uh, three or four. Some okay, what are, what, what are they? Okay, um, E-Prime. Yep. Psychopie. Yep. Um, Inquisit. Yeah, of course, Inquisit. Yep. So those are the three ones that I've used. Okay. What about... Yeah, that's it. MATLAB. Yep. DMDX. It's an old school one. Yeah. It's a command line. Uh, the vision vision people still use it because it's uh, so incredibly boggo. It, uh, its timing is still excellent. Um, And there's another one. Uh, Media Lab. Yes, Media Lab. I've used um, that in the past. That was, I did see, that this is the thing. This they, there you go. See, and you've you've done you've done so many of these different things under the and a lot of the time no formal training. You've just gone, uh, yeah. Let's just jump in with both feet, figure out how to use this. I, I two three weeks, two I, three weeks later, it's moving, and you have to do an experiment. Something goes completely wrong. You learn how to fix it. 
That's exactly what happens. That's, that's the skill acquisition yeah. process. Go and acquire rafts of those skills. Now, software is less important than the ability to code stuff, the ability to manipulate numbers slash data. Yeah. Um, You've got to I get mean, good I'll... at stats. I, I, I honestly but basically retaught myself from yeah. the stats that I use in undergrad. Yeah, I'm I'm on the I see I take your point. I'm somewhat on the fence with I think that depends very heavily on what you're doing. But my problem with I see a lot of people now using sophisticated statistics that I don't think they fully understand the implications of such as um GLM, LLM, uh path analysis. Yeah. What, so they're I, using I, it when, when the far simpler thing I would see be. It, I see it being deployed. I mean, if you've got three fuzzy psychological ideas that have all the clarity of a dust bunny that's been kicked down a hallway and you start sticking them in a model where they're all progressively loading on each other, um, the, the models like that, I've, I mean, I've, I've spent a very long time reading about how they work. I mean, like integrate, integrate and fire models for uh, heartbeats. Yeah. Right? relatively straightforward thing but impossible to get something like that relatively straightforward to model all the normal behavior of a fairly well constrained set of cells that have a fairly well constrained task and then there's all these there's all these uh differences and implications and convections and things that change as you start looking at them and they're relatively simple and then people take that's that's put that to one side and then we're talking about people who are taking very abstract concepts and more complicated models and bonging them together and going, look at the significances. I've never seen <laughs> significances on anything like this before. What fun. Mm. Let's publish that in the Journal of Important Psychological Necrogolics. On that note, let's uh, take a quick break and we'll be back soon. Yes, let's. <laughs> Welcome back to Everything Hurts, where we've been discussing the PhD to postdoc transition. Um, before we continue, we just want to give a quick shout out to all the people that have been sharing our podcast on Twitter, um, at Anne E. Uriah, I hope I pronounced that right. Thank you for, for sharing our um, our podcast and our recent episodes. Uh, Who's that? Um, looking at her profile, she is a cognitive scientist. Awesome. One of the good ones. Yeah. Um, yep. also to... <laughs> don't share our stuff if you don't do something <laughs> I don't like. <laughs> so thanks for, thanks for that, Anne. Um, at yeah, so, at, actually, at, thank you. Thank you. Uh, at, at Psychology yeah. Brief as well. Um, they've, um, they've, they've shared a number of episodes. And also, um, Jan Freyberg, um, who, um, put out a list of some, some of them, uh, you know, some favorite podcasts, including us. Um, which, which is great, yeah. Which is great. We're to on a list. We're on. We're on a list. I think it not was the, the scary kind of government list. No, it was the a real the, list. The top three podcasts, and um, yeah, that that's fantastic. So uh, thank you all. And uh, if you do want to get in contact with us, any feedback, any ideas for, for episodes or stuff to talk about, you can contact any us. Any criticism of Dan specifically? Yeah. <laughs> or um, or James, you know, you can know. Uh, you can send that to Twitter because he doesn't read it. Well, he says he doesn't read it, but I'm no, I know. No, I, know I read. read it sometimes because I get I get email alerts and people are tagging my filthy Twitter handle <laughs> thing. Yeah, in so the, if, you, the, if you do if you do include um, James, 
his Twitter handle, then he will get notified. But you can contact us on at Hertz Podcast, one word. You can also email us at everythinghurtspodcast at gmail.com. And uh, you can contact us on Facebook. Just search Everything Hurts on Facebook. And you can like our page. Keep up, to, keep up to date with our episodes. And we also post links of stuff that we talk about most of the time. If we remember to do it, we'll post it up there. And pictures of my coffee cup. Yeah, people love that. The most that. important thing I can do to communicate science. Look, that's it. <laughs> that's it next to my head. It's only the width between my eyes and my enormous fat swollen Australian head. But look at this. You move it a bit closer. Wow. Enormous. It's like a planet. <laughs> a porcelain planet. So the PhD to postdoc transition, the last thing that we were speaking about was skills and picking up skills. Um, is there anything else related to that? Because you had three things. Did, did we end up covering those three things? We did indeed, sir. I said, in order, writing coding software. I like that. Yeah. Well, um, like I said, I'm, I'm cribbing off something that I've uh, had knocking around for the last little while. And before I got my own stuff sorted, <laughs> it felt... Even though look, I was in the obviously in the the the, the process of looking for uh, gainful employment and what I was going to do next, etc., and getting all that ironed out, as might be expected. Yeah. Yes, um, it felt a little bit hypocritical to publish something on um, the process of doing that before I'd successfully completed this particular phase of it. Now I'd already done a postdoctoral research fellowship thing, but it's not the same. So I wanted to wait until this was sorted before I finished it, which is better than my usual reason for not publishing uh, stuff that I've written, which is A, I never quite finished it because it stopped being interesting, or B, I now loathe that topic and everything associated with it. Well, once you post it, we will post that on our Facebook and Twitter page. Yeah, good. It's long. Um, I think prob- it felt like sort of uh, 4,000. Yeah. So, you know, it has a minimum of swearing and a maximum of, of advice. Um, oh, I've got another, I've got another really good one, but yeah. you were going to say something. You, no, no you, you, go. you go. No, you go. No, no, I had nothing. No, you go. Don't, 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 don't. Oh, God. Go, go How do you it. smile like that? How, like what? I can't what? do that. I think my lips are too big. Your smile is so normal. <laughs> it's like a smile from a magazine. If I smile like that, Look at that. Yeah, that, that's like kind of freaky. To, yeah, it's freaky to see that on you. Yeah, I'm not a smiler. Nah. Um, I don't think I'm really equipped for smiling. I wonder if that is an interoceptive thing. Yeah, possibly. I wonder if... Have you met anyone who's always in a good mood who always looks like an Easter Island statue? Yeah. We, we had this guy at school. We literally called him Smiley. Because he never smiled? No, because he always smiled. Oh right! Yeah, are you but talking about the opposite? Was, was yes. I mean, it was. I mean, he's only interesting if he was dead inside. <laughs> no, no, he was. Uh, he was a happy-go-lucky type bloke. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Well, some faces just aren't built to grin. Yeah. Um. Let's let's be slightly more focused. That was probably my fault. It usually is. Um, the vast majority of normal postdoctoral jobs, which is the majority of postdoctoral work, are not advertised. If they are advertised, the advertisements are often totally illegitimate. Ooh, 
It's right. something for it's something that has been left up on a website by an HR department run by a guy who is more interested in eating buns and taking long lunches than he is with making sure his ads are together. I have no residual bitterness from this whatsoever, I can assure you. How many um, of postdoc ads do you reckon actual genuine searches for people? Um, I would have applied for just some as a as a test. Really? Uh, some to test the water? No, no, no. I mean, when I was already involved in the process of doing a fellowship and didn't like, can you start straight away? And I go, well, yeah, of course I can. No, I can't. It'll be months minimum. Yeah. So there's no chance of it actually. It was just to be a part of a process, ongoing conversation, etc. A job application is not always a job application in inverted commas. So if you apply for 12, you'll get two replies and zero offers of... Anything going right? Look, I, I think <laughs> a it, lot of them. A lot of them are posted because there are legal obligations when you are about to, uh, you are about to propose that a contract should be issued for someone to do work in this particular context at this particular level, etc. Yeah. There are legal obligations that universities think should be fulfilled. This is in a lot of different countries. This isn't specific to Australia or the US or Europe. Um. And they will make an ad, and they will leave the ad up for a while. I think it would bare be minimum. very uncommon. I think it would be very uncommon that they would look at your application for such an ad and go, oh, that's interesting. This person's much better than the person that we had in mind because that's not why they're employing them. They're employing them because they already have an existing relationship Bang that on. they're trading on. And by trading on, I don't mean some kind of Machiavellian exchange of influence. I mean the fact that they've already started working together, the fact that they know each other, the fact that they are 100% certain that they can get the right kind of yep. skills out of the people that they're actually dealing with in the first place. In many respects, it would be a lot easier for... Because people are going to hire who the hell they want anyway. And this the equal opportunity stuff ends up being extremely disappointing for you looking for a job because it means you're continually applying for things you are entirely qualified for uh, to people who will not even return your emails. Yeah, it's a, it's a crazy situation. And I think a lot of people, they'll look at these ads and go... You know, a really good clue is if the ad is incredibly specific, you know, because obviously it's been written for someone, you know, you must have X amount of teaching experience and, you know, specific experience doing this really, you know, technical or, or really in-depth type of research. And then if you read between the lines, you know, a really good tip is um, have a look at the Twitter feeds of people in the department or people in that area. If they're actually sharing that link or that job link, it's a real search. If people in the department aren't actually distributing the job ad, mm. it's not a real search. Now, that's a good one. That is a good one. Because look, that, that, people it, does, want to it find... doesn't happen. It's not unknown. If you say, we're going to move into this area, we need to apportion a certain amount of money to do a certain task with a certain thing. Uh, it's not unknown that you won't have a person who can fulfill that particular role. But the majority of the time, these things are being funded out of soft money. They are from competitive grants. Yeah. What that means is that they had someone in mind when they wrote the grants 
a lot of the time. And that is somewhere between 6 to 18 months ago when this was initially prepared. They had someone in mind at that point. Now, you can't write someone who isn't as yet employed into the actual physical grant. You can't go uh, PI this person, co-PI this person, and hypothetical employee number seven. It's the money to employ you in the first instance. So you apply for that, you get the money, the money becomes current according to the grant agreement, and at that point in time, when you have the money to employ people, you can go and use the bloody stuff to start employing people. So it seems like the trick is to be that person. Well, of course, man. That's the whole, the whole the whole reason to be the whole reason to be useful in the first instance. Which, bring, um, which brings us back to our original thing of start talking to people early. Right. Well, start start trying to be start trying to be useful. Yeah. Write yourself early. into a grant. No, no more stuff. Yeah. Um, and what do you what do you think about um? You think that the the PhD to PhD to postdoctoral transition? Here's an interesting question for you. Would you have any different advice for a part-time student Ooh. who was graduating? Apart from don't be a part-time student. <laughs> I haven't seen that many successful part-time students. Oh. <laughs> no, maybe, maybe, maybe a few. There was one part-time student I knew. Um, she kind of rocked up and, uh, you know, enormous amount of stuff on her plate. You know, very hard worker, and her first paper was uh, got into the top psychiatry journal, and I'm like, man, that's incredible for like her first uh, her first master's paper, and now she's hmm. a PhD student and doing and doing fantastic. So I, I think it's doable, but you just have to think about the um, the, the longer time frame and factor that in. Um, mm. You know, I, I, th- I think it's, it takes a certain person to be able to do it part time, um, but if you can do it, I then... I think you need to be you you need to have. They, they end up being a lot more binary. If people who can really deal with a portioning off an amount of time to be able to complete a very large tasks over time. Yeah. A little bit at a time, keep to a structure and not fall off completely. Or people who the process completely gets away from. Yeah. Um, so I know a few people who've gone through part-time who have been extremely successful and have moved into faculty positions and know what they're doing. And generally that was... People who were caring for children, who had other family obligations, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, quite quite often if they're doing it, they can do it well. So. Yeah, but yeah. a lot of the time they cannot. And you think, oh, I'll just do it in a bit of my spare time. <laughs> you won't. Yeah. Um, I got an I got another good tip. This is a, a one I figured out a while ago. This is a, that Twitter thing is a good idea. If I read Twitter, I would have done that a while ago. All right. Here's, here's a, a job ad. Yeah. All right. Say you are 12 to 18 months out from graduation. Yeah? Yeah. Now, you are in a certain department where you've got a certain idea of where you want to go. Now, you go to something like the Times Higher Education Job Board and you find a job that you'd ideally want to do in two years. Mm. Yeah? Yeah. And it says... We seek candidates with a strong background in experimental physics, chemistry, or quantitative biology with an interest in biophysics of living cells. Application, ap, sorry, applicants must hold a PhD degree in a relevant field. Prior experience with super resolution and or single molecule imaging is an absolute requirement. 
do those things. There you go. So where are you going to get a plan from in, in the idea of like at some point in time, you're going to have to fulfill a job description. No, that's such good advice. Just work, work backwards. Yep. Here's a good one. Here's a good one for me. Yeah. Yeah. Specifically for me, we're looking for a postdoc researcher who has a a genuine interest in behavioral cardiology and interdisciplinary work. B experience in statistical analysis and analytical models using different types of data. C excellent scientific writing skills. D demonstrated capacity to drive first and sole author publications. E proficiency with R, MATLAB, Python, SAS, Stata, SPSS, or all, similar statistical software. It's an example, yeah, yeah, Daniel. Yeah. Go F, on. good ability to work within a team context and not kill his collaborators that interrupt him. <laughs> right. So if I'd had that sometime before having to apply for something like it, it's a good way to get your mind focused on what experience you feel like you need to have. That's a, that's a great approach. And yeah. Look, if you, and if you go through series of jobs, ads i mean a, a little while back there was a there was a ton a ton of jobs um there probably still will be lots i mean markets don't change that fast um everyone was looking for people with biophysics experience and there's a period everyone was looking for people with machine learning experience etc 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 so you can think of it in terms of generally marketable skills but also i would ideally go to that laboratory to do a job like that here's the series of skills that they're asking for Oh, here's another place as well. And they don't even need to be current job ads. Mm. You can find old ones. I mean, the people, HR departments at some universities are legendarily lazy. So you can find, you can find, I can go onto the unnamed universities in Boston. You know who you are. I can go (laughs) onto your job boards and find jobs that are for positions that you filled six to 12 months ago. That's pretty bad. What, it doesn't matter if all you're using it for is to focus your ability to acquire skills over time. I think that's... Um, for that, it's fine. It, it works perfectly as well. Um, when you're uh, yeah, Another option for getting postdocs is actually winning um, postdoctoral fellowships. One thing to do is that um, with a lot of these places, you can actually see successful candidates had X amount of publications. Ah, uh, yeah. These Look. people had this many first authorships, X, Y, Z. Same sort of strategy. Look at... What did the successful people do? Work towards it. Yeah. Because that, yeah, that's the other um, alternative is kind of wor- working yourself into a position rather than relying on someone else to put something out there. Yeah, for sure. Um, fellowships can be... Yeah, look, they're not... I mean, they're allegedly merit-based and handed out by governments or other private organizations that are very large, give away lots of money who are trying to be merit-based rather than to fulfill a specific need in an existing work process. In other words, they're funding you to do your stuff rather than taking your skills and applying them elsewhere. This is not... The the first thing I'd say about them is this is not something that you can rely on. There's a lot of fields in which it's really difficult to make yourself look good. Mm. Example, uh, there's fellowships in Australia where um, the people who are getting them, who are a few years out of their PhD, have 10, 15, 20, 25 publications. Now, if you work in some areas of the hard sciences, if you do a postdoc for two, three years on a single project, it will generate a paper. Yeah? Now, that paper will be hard-won stuff. 
very important, highly technical, and has far better chance of going to allegedly important journal than the stuff that you and I do. Mm. Yeah? But look, if we sat down with a big pile of data and did nothing else for a fortnight, could we write a paper? Easy. Yeah. We wouldn't even need a fortnight. But in, in my head, I'm already planning the fact that we'd get it done in 12 days and then go fishing. <laughs> Sounds great. Yeah. It does sound good, doesn't it? <laughs> so... It, that is you have to you have to understand that you have to represent yourself in that environment yeah. with other people with well there's massive differences between the the difficulty and complexity of the tasks that involve in individual publications people in the medical sciences in particular can be so loose with authorship oh we've got all these networks of networks of doctors and people got involved we'll shove his name in oh her name and her name yeah bong him in there we go it goes through the Look old trick that. we've got 17 authors go fuck yourself it, no it, you don't it's the index of you know you're in trouble when you had more authors and participants <laughs> you know what I uh, was that's a, funny yeah I was there was one paper where I was there's, there's got to be some sort of index we need to give it some some snazzy name I don't know. But anyway, there was one paper where that was actually getting close, but the thing is all these people actually, um, you know, deserved authorship because of all the planning and all the stuff they actually contribute intellectually. But you do see some papers where it's like, cool, 20 authors, 15 participants. <laughs> it, yeah. Come on. Yeah, no, it's it's a thing. But to the credit of some a lot of these organizations, they do actually split up. I know the um, ERC grants... They do actually split up and do different subdisciplines. Good. This is what we expect so from should. someone or, in. It's very, it's very unfair to people hugely um, unfair. within the heart of life sciences to do that. So they they say if someone for the heart of life sciences, um, people who were successful had nine publications. Medical sciences, fifteen, twenty, all that kind of stuff. So some places Good. are better than others. Fantastic. Yep. Let's yeah. um let's wrap it up for today. Um. It's been it's been real. It's been good. Yeah, what this is what happens. We, we um we're, it's, it's actually the middle of the day. No one's tired, and we probably have an immediate command of what we're trying to speak about. That's great. Rather than your normal plan of uh, allege some kind of uh, bizarre internet authority and opine at length like a complete gumball. <laughs> Let's leave it there. Uh, until next week. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, could I be more positive? You couldn't. I could. <laughs> Bye for Let's now. Let's leave it there. <laughs>